Guys, welcome this morning. Uh, I'm so glad that you're all, all here. Just take this down before I cause some havoc. There we go. Um, if you have your bulbs, go ahead and grab them. Um, I don't do things uh, normally, so if you want a story, I had toast for breakfast this morning. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's all. So we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Um, and so the way that uh, I usually do things... Um, I'll read a little bit, chat a little bit, rechat, rechat, uh, and then there'll be some points that I want to pull out of the text. Um, we're just going to have fun today, really. It's going to be great. I cannot wait. In, the, in Luke chapter 6, you've got uh, Jesus giving his Sermon on the Mount, and, and I think the reason Jesus is so offensive to people is because he doesn't look at the external and go, yeah, well done, that's, that's what I'm after. I think Jesus is so offensive to people because he goes after the heart, so he'll say, uh, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I'm like, sweet, haven't done that. All right, bada bing. He says, if, if you lust after a woman, uh, you've committed adultery in your heart. All right, guilty. Okay, all right, okay, all right. All right. What else, what else? Uh, you've heard it said, don't murder anyone. I'm like, sweet, haven't killed a brother. That's sweet, man. Totally fine, totally fine. Uh, but if you've gotten angry at someone, uh, same sin. I'm angry at you, man. Far out. All right, okay, well, what else you got? Okay, you've heard it said, uh, love your neighbor uh, and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And you're just going, who, who is this, this guy? This, this, this seems to be just impossible list that he's giving out. How am I meant to follow any of these rules? This is like, what is this? And Jesus is just ruthlessly after the heart. And that's why he's so confronting and so it begs the question, okay, if, if Jesus is after these things that just seem impossible, I mean, who's, who's going to please this guy? Who is going to measure up to who Jesus says you have to live like? Who, who's going to measure up? And I think uh, Luke includes the story that follows in chapter 7 that we're going to read um, to try and answer that question. So uh, if you've got it in front of you, it's going to come up on the screen. Luke chapter 7, we're going to go from verse 1. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. I've got to just unpack who a centurion is for you guys so you get it in your heads. Um, a centurion is someone who works for the Roman Empire, someone who was... Uh, uh, commended by his officials above him, uh, mainly because he fought in many wars, had seen many battles, had killed many men. And so because of his uh, military accolades, he was put in charge of a hundred uh, foot soldiers. Centurion, century, hundred, Sam Beckman, cricket, where are you? Amen, brother. All right, I'm with you all the way, dude. <laughs> so he was in charge of all these guys and, and he was uh, in that position because he stood out amongst the rest. People didn't go to this guy and say, hey, what do you do? And he wasn't like, oh, I'm a soldier, like, whatever. No, no, people went to this guy, what do you do? And he would reply, I kill people for a living and I do it well. This was a guy that when you saw him, you did not mess with him at all. You just didn't. You, man, I, I could no, I couldn't take him, okay? I could not take this guy. No one could. And predominantly this guy's task was making sure that uh, everyone was paying their taxes to Rome, uh, that if there were any sort of rebellions or uprisings, he would slaughter whoever started it. This guy was not to be messed with. And everyone knew it. And this guy is approaching Jesus. And so you've just, you've just got this, this tension. It's like, what, what's going to happen? Let's find out what's going to happen. Verse 3. When the centurion heard about Jesus... 
He sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. Um, It's very peculiar that that Jews would speak highly of a Roman centurion. Uh, And here's the reason why. Um, Jews were captives to Rome at this time. The Roman Empire stretched from uh, England down to India in in the greatest uh, uh, point in their military dominance. Sorry, that's the other way around. London to India for you guys. Uh, And everyone that they took over, they would implement all their beliefs, all their gods, all their, their cultures on whoever they conquered. So the Jews would see that God had promised them a land and that land was not ruled by God, but rather ruled by a foreign force. That was just brutal in how they ruled the world. Just, just for an example, um, there's a bloke called Spartacus in 70 BC, and uh, he wanted to overthrow Rome, so he got 120,000 slaves to try and take Rome down. And the Roman Empire crushed this rebellion, and there were 6,000 survivors. Do you know what they did with those 6,000 survivors? They crucified all of them down the Appian Way, down, down the main highway into Rome, 200 kilometers long, 6,000. Every 30 meters, someone was being brutally murdered on planks of wood, all for the sake of Rome making a point. Do not mess with us, because this is what will happen to you. Like, that's intimidating. <laughs> Like, I, I, like you just you see this guy like Jews and Jews and centurions they they're not meant to mix they they don't like each other and so you you start asking the question okay so why are the Jews talking up this this guy I mean okay maybe there's something different about about him let's go from verse six and when Jesus went with them sorry and Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends. Um, If I'm going to send a message to someone that's important, um, um, I I might send uh, some officials to them. But if I want to send a message that's even more important, I'm not going to send like I'm not going to send Matt to tell my mum that uh, or Beck's mum that she's in trouble. Okay, if if that's like really important, I'm going to send probably uh, a really close friend of mine. So whatever's going to follow is of more importance. Sorry, we are friends, Matthew. Sorry, I just want to just want to throw it out there, brother. Whatever's going to follow, sorry man, whatever's going to follow next is, is highly important, even more important than the first thing. This is what he says, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers unto me. I say to one, go and he goes, and come and he comes, and to my servant, do this and he does it. Then when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Throughout the Gospels, you just have this reoccurring notion of faith that just kind of keeps popping up. And it seems to be something that is just highly commendable. Uh, before Jesus. So, I mean, if you, if you were to just go back um, like a page to, to uh, Luke 5.20, you've got um, the paralyzed man being lowered through the roof and, and Jesus doesn't see 
the paralyzed man being lowered through the roof, he sees their faith. And then he heals the paralyzed man. If you were to, uh, so many examples. If you go to uh, Luke um, 7.50, I mean, you've got the woman of the night. And that's not a woman that goes out at night. That's like, do you know what, do you get what that, like, she, she's, a, she's a prostitute. Um, and, and she's anointing uh, Jesus' Jesus feet. And, and he says, your faith has saved you. Go in, go in peace. In 8.25, you've got the storm and, and, and uh, Jesus' disciples are freaking out. They think they're going to die. And, um, and Jesus wakes up, rebukes the, the wind and the waves. They stop and he goes, where is your faith? Uh, 8.48, you've got the woman coming up and touching Jesus uh, who's been bleeding for 12 years, ceremonially unclean. And I think that's such a peculiar story because you've got the crowds pushing into Jesus and Jesus just stops and said, who touched me? Everyone touched you. I was like, what, what question is that? And then he goes, no, 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 no. Who, who touched me? Uh, and the woman puts her hand up and he says, your faith has made you well. And then in Luke, I love the disciples. They give me such hope. Because um, in Luke 17, they finally catch on that they're probably not getting it right. Um, so they go, okay, um, can you help us with this whole faith thing? Because we can't do it. Um, and so there's just this focus, there's, some, there's, like, oh, there's like 40 examples of faith and believing just in Luke alone, and then I think in the New Testament it's like 250 references to this thing called faith. Um, and so i just got to define it, because I feel that we all have these different ideas of what faith is. Like if someone came and asked me, what, like, I, what do you think faith is, uh, a while ago I probably would have started freaking out, I'm like, I, I believe in something, what does believe mean? Oh, I trust in something, okay, what does that look like? Oh, I don't know, stop asking questions. Um, that, that was how I responded. So um, I want to throw up a definition on the screen. You got that up there, Tim? Bada bing. All right. Um, I've... I've based this definition, um, this isn't scripture, okay, this isn't, you know, this isn't the word of God, chill out. Um, I've based this on um, Hebrews 11, if you're taking notes, write down Hebrews 11, just read that in your own time. Um, But I've got it from there and and also just this story, so um, I've defined definition is faith is the active belief that Jesus is who he says he is and he does what he says he does based on the evidence found in Scripture and in the world. So what I want to do, I want to take this definition, I want to lay it over what we've just read uh, and, and just to see how this guy is commended for, for such faith. All right, so verse 3 in Luke 7, you've got, um, now a centurion had a servant. Oh, sorry, that's verse 2, sorry. When the centurion heard about Jesus. Okay, um, so much in, in, in my early days as, as a believer, I... I think people just said, like, yeah, what, what? I was struggling with something, and they'd go, well, you just got to have more faith, man. I'm like, okay, but I, like, what does that, that mean? And it was almost as like faith was sim- synonymous with the word hope. Like, I really, faith, this works. Like, that's kind of how people used it. And then you'd ask people, like, what, they get through some sort of trial, and you'd be like, like, how, like how, what, what happened? How did, how did that, like, how did you know you'd be okay? I was like... I just faith really hard, and a whole bunch of Jesus came out of everything. I'm like, that's disgusting. <laughs> like, what? Really? Like, that, that doesn't make any sense. And it was almost as if people didn't even know what faith is. It just seemed like this blind hope in something. But the centurion heard about Jesus. And in verse 4, um, sorry, in chapter 4, uh, Jesus has already been to Capernaum. People already know 
stories upon stories about Jesus. Um, and so the centurion hears about Jesus, and, and here's probably what he would have heard. If, if you were to go to chapter 4, verse 31 through to 41, you've got uh, Jesus in the synagogue in Capernaum. Uh, uh, we've just read that the centurion built the synagogue, okay, so he's probably affiliated with it somehow. Uh, and in that synagogue, he's cast out demons. Uh, in verse 38, he's, he, he left the synagogue, uh, healed Simon's mother-in-law. Uh, and then in verse 40, you've got um, all these people coming from near and far, bringing people to Jesus to, to heal who needs healing. And so the centurion hears that Jesus is back in town and bases the fact that he's heard so many stories about him already. So, okay, well, there's evidence there, so let's try it out. Let's, let's go for it. It's not, a, it's not blind. Like, do you, do you get that? It's, it's not a blind faith. It's not going, oh, I hope that he's here he says he is. No, 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 no. He, he hears it. Hears the stories about Jesus, goes to him, says, please, like, just, just come along. If you are who you say you are, you will be able to do this. And so based on evidence, he approaches Jesus. He, there's an active belief, and the act is actually approaching Jesus, believing that he'll do what he says he'll do based on evidence uh, found in the world. Um, and there's another hint in here that I feel like... Um, it's also based on Scripture, but it kind of ties in with, with who the centurion thinks Jesus is as well. Um, because in his response um, in verse 6, he says, Don't trouble yourself. I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Um, did anyone have at home um, the... the it was kind of like the, the polished room, like the room that you weren't meant to go into because that's where the queen would sit when she came. Did anyone have, have that room? Um, and then as you grew up, you realised that um, the queen probably wasn't coming. It was just because you are a, a bumbling little idiot that just broke everything, that your parents had to lie to keep you out of there. Like, um, did, did people have that room? Was that just me? No? People, people had it? Okay. All right, sweet. Not just me. Some of you are like, the queen's not coming? No, she's not. Um, sorry. Um, and so, yeah, you have, you have this room, but you're just like, no, the, like, if the queen rocks up, she's not coming in here. Like, this place is a dump. Like, why, why would she come in here? And what if one day you were to open the door and then old mate Lizzie was just standing there? <laughs> like, what are you going to say? Mum, get the plates. <laughs> Time to go. Oh, like, no, you're not going to say that. You're going to say, oh, so, thank you for coming, but please don't come in. <laughs> because it, uh, our place isn't worthy to have you here. And so the centurion sees Jesus and he doesn't see the carpenter from Nazareth. He sees something deeper, like he believes Jesus is something else. When he hears the crowds coming to his house when, when he's just sent, sent his servants and, and he knows that Jesus is good to heal people and he knows that, he, okay, he's on his way. He goes, this, what am I doing? This isn't some carpenter. The, the, the one who is approaching my house right now is royalty. What am I? You're not worthy. Don't come, please. I, thank you so much for considering it. But I, but I know that if you just sit at where you were, you wouldn't have to come into my house because it is not fit to have you in it at all. 
And it's also interesting too that um, he believes that when Jesus speaks, something will happen. Like um, if, you were to, if you were to come here at about probably 8 o'clock this morning, um, you could probably like just figure out who had authority in this room based on who was going to who. And like if someone spoke and people went away from them, you'd, you'd be like, okay, maybe that guy knows. Maybe he's the one in charge here. So, uh, you know, I, I think if you were to come in, you'd probably see Matt. And, okay, his words are carrying some, some weight with them, some sort of authority. So he's, he's the one in charge of this room. Um, the thing about authority is that it's, it's dependent on your location and your surroundings. If Matt was in his soccer team, if we were to see him there and he were to try to say something, someone else, chances are you'd probably see them, I don't know, maybe flipping the bird and walk away. I don't know what your team's like, man. They might, they might not be scumbag. Yeah, you're nodding? Okay, that's what they do. <laughs> and so you go, okay, so he doesn't have authority there, but he has authority here. So, so this authority thing is dependent on location and who he's surrounded by. So too with this centurion, that's why he's talking about, um, look, I get authority when I tell my soldiers to come, like they come when I tell them to go, they go. If this centurion found himself outside of the Roman Empire though, his words probably wouldn't carry any authority unless his soldiers were there. And if his soldiers weren't there, then he wouldn't have any. And so the contrast is the centurion saying, my authority is dependent on where I am, who I'm around. Do you know what Jesus' authority is dependent on? Nothing. He does not need a time, a place, or a people for his word to go out and for nothing to respond to it. So I wonder where else in Scripture you have God or someone speaking and something happening. Maybe Genesis and God said, let there be, and there was. And so the centurion doesn't think that Jesus is some carpenter. He fully believes that he's God in the flesh. Which is so bizarre, really, because Rome has all their other gods. They had a God for everything, right? Like, you know, God helped help my, the God of the suffering centurion servant. Like, they probably had one. Like, they probably had gods just for everything, right? Um, and the centurion goes... You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Jesus because I think he is who he says he is, and he actually does what he says he does. And so I just find it so baffling that people would talk about Jesus, but they just see him as a good teacher. I don't know if anyone's heard that. I've heard it a couple of times. I've heard Jesus is a rebel. I've heard um, Jesus was um, just a just just a charismatic guy. And and that's all well and good, but I, I just I don't know what people are basing that on because you see this authority figure submitting to Jesus, and you just go like that that how, that doesn't make sense at all if Jesus is just a good teacher. Like I love Matt, all right. I think he's a great communicator. I really I really do, but I'm not going to submit to him thinking he's God unless he is. He's not just he's not God. <laughs> Throw it out there. And there's just so oh man, there's so many links in scripture, right? Like you've got you've got Isaiah 11, and he's talking about uh, the uh, righteous shoot of Jesse springing up and ruling his people. And then you've got in 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 John, uh, I think it's 15, uh, where Jesus says, "I am uh, the, the the true vine." And you just go, "There's 
There's a link. And then also in the Isaiah 11, you've got the presence of God coming and descending on his servant. And we've already read in the start of Luke that the heavens opening up and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove on Jesus. I'm like, there's another, there's another link. And then you've got John 8:58, where Jesus says, Truly I tell you, before Abraham I am. And you're just like, what well, man, the burning bush when Moses rocks up and, and the bush says, I, I am who I am. Like, like, who are you? He's like, I am. And you just go, Jesus says I am. You're like, what is that link? Like, that's, how do people not make that connection where you go, Jesus isn't just some random guy. He is God. He is the creator God. He seems to speak and things happen. Like, like God does that. Like, how, how do we miss that connection between the two of them? Like, I don't get how that, that works. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I'm sorry if that's your worldview, but I just, I can't agree with you on it because I see all these evidences in Scripture and I just go, I can't. I can't do it because it, it just it seems true. It seems so true. So we see the centurion basing his faith on evidence that Jesus is God and that he is a God of just, just healing and love, really. Like, it really is phenomenal. But I, I just, I just wonder, like, if that is the case for so many of us, like, what, like, if we were honest and we and we didn't pretend here, like, we didn't try to be someone we weren't. I know so many people think the church isn't a place to be honest, but let's just pretend for the next ten minutes that it was, okay? Um, like, could we admit that if we were the centurion and we had a a servant who we highly valued, like, would we really go to this guy that we've heard just stories about? Like, like, would we not try and fix it ourselves? Like, if we were honest, I think, I th- like, I would. I mean, this centurion's loaded. He built a synagogue. I don't know how much that costs, but if he has money to do it, I assume he's rich. Like, I- I'd probably try anything in, in my power to just, just do it for myself. Like, I don't know why I'd probably need Jesus. Like, I'd probably get the best doctors and fix up my servant and just be great, get a medical team around him, and it's like, go, guys, go for it, and just be like, you know, I don't know. What's that show, Grey's Anatomy? Just be like that. Go for it, guys, whatever. Um, And so uh, if we were honest, I don't think that we would go to Jesus because we try to be in control ourselves a lot of the time. Um... Look, I've this week I've just been dominated by this 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 chapter, right? Like I've just been getting destroyed because I'm there going, God, like you know, I just want to be a preacher, I want to be a want to be this, want to be a leader of a church, want to be a pastor, I just want to do all these things, get all these structures in my head, and they just like you know, God, like ten thousand people, bam, like yeah, rock on, man, like see what I did, like that's like that's kind of what I want to do, and and I see this and. And I see the centurion and he had it all. He, he had the power, he had the might, he had the majesty, but unless he had Jesus, he couldn't do it. Like, like I don't know why I try to think that I can because I do so much. Like, And I don't know whether you like me, you've just got this idea that Jesus is somewhere far off and that his words don't possess power anymore, but... 
Jesus just said the word and this guy was healed. Like, I think it's so encouraging that Jesus wasn't there because the fact that we can't see him now, like there's a link between this story and our reality. We can't see him. But he healed the servant. He couldn't see the servant. So why do we think that's any different from us now? Um, I, think, I think, too, maybe, maybe the reason we don't um, give things over to Jesus... I mean, there's a couple of reasons why. Um, I think if we were honest, too, that if, if we had the option where Jesus would just like kind of come in and just, just fix up our lives... Like, I don't think anyone is in, in this room would just... I don't think anyone doesn't want that. Like, can we be honest? Like, I, as much as we want to go, oh, you know, Jesus doesn't... Like, you know, God isn't real. How could he do it? Like, how could he do that? Suffering, da 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 I was like, okay, put that out of the way. If you had the option for Jesus to come in, change your life, change whatever struggles, whatever anxieties that you had right now, like wouldn't that be just this? Like wouldn't that be sweet? Like, like what if our relationships that were broken could be mended by Him? What if that disease that that's just been plaguing us for weeks, months, years could just be healed? What if, what if that habitual sin that I can't seem to break? Like what if? What if I had the option just to go, Jesus, take it and you got rid of it? What if all the brokenness that we feel and we just cover up, like what if Jesus came and he just said, I've got this, give it to me? Like would we really say, no, 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 it's all right. I feel the reason that as much as we want that, I, I just feel that so much of us want to be in control more than we want to be healed. And I think, I think the reason for that is, is that we don't actually know what's, what Jesus is going to do with it. Um, I don't know. I don't know half the time what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I think it's okay to want to be in control. Like, I, th- I think it's a great idea. But in reality, you just keep stuffing it up when you are in control. Like, do you think, like, really me? I'm a 24-year-old guy. I've got, like, Brad, Matt, and Brian. These guys are so much more experienced. Like, you think I want to admit that I don't have it all together in front of them? Like, you think I really want to admit, hey, guys, like, I, was, I struggle with my Bible reading. I struggle with prayer. Like, I, I'm this, like, tra- like this, this guy that wants to be a pastor, and you guys have been doing it so much longer than I have. Like, you think I want to admit that in front of them? No way. But it's true. It's so true. It's just, like, what if I was honest and stepped out in faith and just said, guys, I don't have it all together. Like, what if I took that to Jesus and said, Jesus, I need help? Chances are I probably wouldn't be as anxious all the time. Chances are he'd probably do what he says he does and and take my struggles and heal them and, and change them. But for some reason, I don't know what it is. I just go, look, I much prefer to be anxious and trying to have it all together than I would actually being healed. Actually letting Jesus just just fix me, man. Just heal me. It's like, Steve, all right, man, I get what you're laying down, but how do I know that Jesus really is out for my good? Check out verse 11. Soon afterwards, he went to a town called Nine, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, 
the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. I think um, the fact that Jesus has compassion, I mean, surely that, that in and of itself is, is, is evidence enough that he isn't out for your bad. Like he sees you in your struggles and he doesn't go, man, I just wish, like, I just wish Sam had it together. Far out. That guy. He doesn't say that. He doesn't go, Steve, sorry, Sam. He doesn't say, Steve, man, like, I get your struggles, but man, can't you just do it? Like, what's wrong with you, man? Like, no, he, he sees that and he goes, and he has compassion. Like, there's, there's something in being compassionate towards others where you're not even thinking of yourself at all. You're just thinking about them and their good and you see them in their struggles and you just go, man, I just wish, I want the best for them. Like Jesus sees you like that. Have you ever thought about that before? Like really thought about that? Jesus doesn't see you and says, I wish you had it all together. He says, I wish you'd come to me so I could heal you. For a widow in this culture too, um, they didn't have Centrelink. Um, so if this woman did not have an heir, didn't have a son to work, uh, she would be just completely reliant on the generosity of others. And so Jesus doesn't just take care of her emotional need there. He actually takes care of her welfare in that. Like, hey, like I know times look tough and I know that your son has died, but I'm here and I, I, I have compassion for you. And I'm going to pull through for you on this. And he raises up her son and... I think this kind of gets missed a bunch of times, but I don't think it's peculiar that Jesus gave him to his mother. Like, I feel that this isn't a, um, this isn't a man. Like, a, like it's not like this, this widow has been provided for majority of her life. This is a young man. This, might, this would be a teenager. And he goes, Here, here's your welfare back. Here's your son back. Here's your love back. Here's your emotional well-being. Here's your... Just here's everything. You see... I just love you. Like, I want to provide for you. But Steve, how do I know? How do I know that that God has... How do I know Jesus has authority over these things? How how do I know that that he really can just just solve my... How do I know that this is the case? And isn't isn't death just the epitome of just brokenness and disease like isn't that kind of the nth result like isn't that like nothing gets worse than death just as the centurion was put in charge of men because he conquered men so too is Jesus put in authority over death because he conquered it I just guess when I read 
the only son of his mother, I, d- I just think this is just a, just a shadow, just, a, just an echo of, of a funeral that is to happen in the future where a parent loses their one and only son. <gasps> A parent loses their one and only son. A parent and everyone surrounding just sees a hopeless situation. And a compassionate authority raises the son back to life. So how do you know? How do you know? That God is who he says he is and he does what he says he does. Guys, what if we just, just took a step of faith and just took a step towards him? Like, like maybe we don't see God working because really we don't need him to work because we're so well resourced. Like what if we were poor? Like what if, like what if all our structures at church, like what if, what if we didn't rely on them as much? Like, what if you guys just went and spoke to your neighbours and it wasn't in Gospel Community Missionary Week? Like, like what if you guys just went next door and you're just like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. <laughs> Jesus like, I know you got it covered, so <laughs> here I go. i just got to tell you this story. I, I couldn't sleep last night at all and I, I just lost it um, laughing at this thing and I had to leave the room. Beck was sleeping, so I just I thought I'd be a good husband. Um, doesn't happen often. Uh, sorry, come on. You can laugh. It's all right. Just breathe. <laughs> Just say please, guys. I um I ran into a mate that I, I brought up Jesus, <laughs> Jesus with, and um. He's, he was just like relaying this conversation that we'd apparently had and I couldn't remember any of it. Um, and he's like, "Yeah, remember that time you came and spoke to me about this?" And I was like, oh, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, I remember." It's like, and then I was like. Do you mind just repeating what I said? <laughs> just, just so I can relive the moment. Um, and he, and he started like relaying this, this conversation. And, um, and apparently I said, oh man, so bad. Apparently, apparently I said, you know what, man? Satan might be good, but Jesus is better. I heard it, I'm like, did I just say Satan may be good? Like, did, did I just say that? Oh, I didn't. What? Oh, my goodness. How, how, no, no, I can't believe I just said that. And he's like, he just kept going, and I couldn't, I couldn't go with him. I was like, oh, my God, I'm sorry, God, just forgive me. I didn't mean to. Whatever I did, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> he said, you know, man, after that, I, I, I went to a mate's place, and I received Jesus that night. And... Um, and I, just, I hear that. I'm like, what, what kind of structure box does that fit into? Like, like people at college might go, hey, Steve, like, what, what are your recommendations for evangelism? <laughs> Heresy and amnesia seems to work. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't know. I don't, like, God does it. I don't. I don't. God does. Like, what's, what's, what's the structure? What's the solution? God has it covered. What do I need to do? I just need to step out and go, God, you've got this, surely. And he does. And I, and I, just, I just see that. And it's just that, oh, that stepping out in faith. Like, I just, man, don't, don't you guys want that here? 
Like, I, I want this church to just, just blow up. And when people come to us and go, how did, like, what, what happened? How, how did you see this place just go from, from a couple, like, a hundred people into a couple thousand? Like, do you, want, do you know what I want the answer to be? I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I didn't do it. No, like, our lights didn't do it. Our band didn't do it. Our speakers didn't do it. God rocked up and he did it. Man, I want that. I don't want to take any of the credit because it's so much better when he does it. And it works when he does it. All that Jesus does is build his church the way that he wants it and he heals people and he brings people back to life. And I'm, I'm absolutely kidding myself if I think I've got a better way to do that. So guys... I don't even know how long I've gone for. I'm sorry if I've gone too long. But um, ask yourself the question if Jesus were looking at my faith, would he marvel? Would he marvel? Because it seems that it, that's what he responds to. And guys, I don't, I don't really know where you are, but I know when you go to him, you're not going to get like a slap on the wrist and try harder and do better. You're going to get healing. And so what if when we come to this prayer time, like we didn't like just sit in our seats and go, great, you know, do you know what motivational speaking, you know how long that lasts for? Your car. When you drive home, it's gone. There's a quote from X-Men. <laughs> Sorry. don't know why I brought X-Men up, but this quote just stood out to me. <laughs> And it said, now before you is the opportunity to be a part of something so much bigger than yourself. The sick being healed, the lame walking, the blind seeing. So will you just step out in faith and believe that God is who he says he is and he does what he says he does? Maybe you come at the back and I don't even know, I don't know what to pray for. Just, just come up and be like, I don't have, I need faith. What if we just pray for you? And guys, this is just for the guys. Like, I know that you want to have it all together, okay? But really, like, us offering you prayer and you not taking is like someone offering me a razor and me saying, no, I'm good. Like, like it, it is absurd, So what if you did? What if this day, what if, what if the 17th of August 2014 was the day that you marked down as the day you stepped out in faith and God rocked up? Let's pray. Yeah, Father, we are... We come before you knowing that oh, we lack faith so much, so much of the time. God, give us confidence that you are good, you are God, you are mighty to save and you are mighty to heal. Father, we ask this day would not be a day where we just went to church again. We sang songs again, 
where we listen to the Bible read again. God, please let this be a day that is marked out in history where Sydney did not recover from the gospel of Jesus. Amen.